Welcome to the Museum of Dance podcast, Mod Pod, where we discuss why we dance. I'm your host, Jamie Ray Wright. Today's artist has created a unique and varied career, starting with a dance conservatory education as a teen, to the prestigious SUNY Purchase Performing Arts University program. This artist has been able to forge a career on stage and in film. Let me introduce to you. Laura Jean Mummert. Thank you, Laura, for spending time with us today. Hey! <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jamie, as always. Um, always love chatting with you. Excited to be a part of your podcast well, and chat you. with more people this time. <laughs> well, one of the interesting things is that you and I have a past. Oh, yeah. We have a big past. <laughs> well, I, I think I've known you since you were a youngster, uh, which, you know, announces that I'm officially an old person. <laughs> Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, how we met and uh, what kinds of things you've been doing. Time has definitely flown by. I feel like every time I blink my eyes, it just it goes by faster the older I get. And I always tell people life is like a roll of toilet paper. You know, when you first get it, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm going to have enough toilet paper that lasts me a long time. And then you get to the middle of the roll and the bottom of the roll and you're like, nope, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah so to everyone listening me and Jamie have been uh have known each other since I was about 12 years old 12 13 14 like around that time in my life I was doing um I was training at Lions Ballet I did the Lions Ballet summer program I worked with Summer Radigan for a while um Alonzo King and did their programs when I was a kid I trained with them and then I started taking classes at Lions Ballet. And Jamie was that that amazing, beautiful face that I saw every morning that I'd go in and, you know, sign in for my classes. And we got to know each other and he saw me grow up and train. And then I left and I got into that Alvin Ailey program um, when I was just turning 15. I went to New York and I mean, who would have thought full circle I did all this training. I was in New York. I got my bachelor's of fine arts out there. I went to Purchase Conservatory with actually a couple people that are from San Francisco. Uh, Shout out Carly Johnson and a few others. Um, And uh, and it's just uh, it's been a whirlwind. You know, Um, Carly Johnson actually ended up working with uh, Robert Moses Kin for a while in that company. But we trained at Purchase Conservatory in New York. And uh, years later, I find myself seeing your face again, Jamie, and my career has gone, you know, a whirlwind of things, many things that I've done, and I'm excited to talk about it with you here. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Why not? Well, I've always been a fan. I've, I've known a little bit about your activities. You know, the dance world is small, yeah. and uh, I have so many friends and acquaintances all over the country. So every step of the way, I've kind of known that, oh, this is the next step for Laura Jean. So I've been <laughs> happy for you. Yeah, thank you. And you know, it's one of those things like in my career. So um, a little short thing, like long story short, everybody, you know, I was dancing for a very long time and I never thought, you know, I loved choreographing. And when I was in New York, you know, I, I would do little projects here and there. And I never thought choreography would be a thing. Until I graduated with with my BFA from Purchase, and I got this random job. All of a sudden, I was hired from with Bravo 
Channel, choreographing for Bravo Channel, some of their shows and events even. I got to choreograph uh, for the Metropolitan Opera House for the Alexander McQueen tribute video when he passed away. And I'm like, here I am, you know, 20, 21, 22, you know, with this great, you know, uh, I got hired to do this amazing, you know, through this amazing experience, this great thing. And I was just like, wow, you know, only in New York can this happen. And then I, I, I did a lot of choreography and I, I, uh, for some projects and some theater stuff. And then, um, I, I kind of threw the choreography away and I was like, nah, this can't be my thing. So I went into acting and musical theater for a very long time, um, which I'll get to in a second, but I came back to California after COVID and I, I ended up diving into choreography again. And I ended up, you know, now it's almost, it's kind of boomed a little bit and, I just choreographed a really big stunt show in Ohio and I got picked up to uh, go out into Los Angeles. Um, we're going to be putting it out at Knott's Berry Farm. And um, I'm choreographed for the Peanuts Gang, Snoopy and the Peanuts Gang. And I'm doing all this choreography stuff. And fun, like both, like, so the one, the stunt show is very contemporary, contemporary ballet. And then you have Peanuts, which is like musical theater. So it's been nice. Like both my backgrounds have made this full circle into putting it together now in these shows that I'm doing it. And it's, it's been an amazing, beautiful experience to put both my careers together and to make these beautiful multimedia shows, which has been quite awesome. Well, it's, it's great to always be working. That's the hard part when you are uh, an artist, especially in dance, is to always yeah. continue to uh, have the uh, money come in so that you can, you know, buy groceries and, Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, out in New York and I, I could say probably every every dancer out there that lives in a major city can attest to the the four roommates in a studio apartment. <laughs> I mean, out, out in New York, I mean, we had two to three roommates, you know, in the smallest, tiniest apartments when we were younger. And, you know, you had to make it work. And, you know, eventually that hard work always pays off. And with time and as you master your skills, things just start to come because you do meet so many people that we all are kind of in the same world together. And I've had so many people reach out to me from my past that I have worked with before that has just been like, Hey, Laura, I thought about you for this project. And I feel like the older we get, the more that happens because we are continuing to work together and make, make products together. And we keep each other in our, in our mindset and and that kind of helps mold our careers in a way and and if you're not doing that do that you know i really suggest like make make good friends like when you work on projects you know be your true self be who you are show people who you really are because it will come back tenfold i mean look here i am you know with jamie and you know who would have thought years later from when you knew me when i was a kid you know that me and you would be connecting and it's just because you know, we are true at heart and we're, we, we connected and we had this whirlwind of careers, both of us, and it's connected back to each other in some weird, weird beautiful, crazy way. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it, it is so interesting. And the way you talk about it now, it looks like it, things have really boomed. Let, let's get down to, to the small things, though. You know, I always, yeah. said, I like to, always like to understand how they became who they are. First of all, where, where are you from? Well, I was born in Hayward, actually. I was born in Hayward, California, a little bit about me. 
my grandparents are from Massachusetts and my grandparents moved out to Fremont and my parents met in high school. They're high school sweethearts. (laughs) They uh, went to school in Hayward, California. So my family kind of, you know, grew up in, in the Bay area. And then I was born in the Bay area. I grew up in the Bay area. So San, San Francisco Bay area, the whole Bay area is kind of where my heart lies. Truly. <laughs> is art and dance the family business or are you uh, new to it from the, the blood? <sighs> oh, geez. Yeah. My dad, well, my mom is a piano player, lovely piano player, but didn't make that her craft. She went into tech and computers and science and stuff like that. My dad, on the other hand, is a, a, a musician of many instruments and very good upright bass player, violin uh, and, you know, the bass guitar. And he has performed in bands his whole life. And my dad owns a recording studio, owned a recording studio for, I, I guess, like 25 years. And then now he's kind of like retired out of that. We still have it. Like um, he still rents out his recording studio to bands. So anyone out there that needs space, my dad has it. <laughs> and it's in Fremont. But uh, my dad is a, a huge musician and perfect ear, perfect pitch. You know, you can, it's so funny, you know, when watching the Tony Awards with him or something, he'll be like, oh, that person didn't hit that note right. You know, I was <laughs> like, dad he's really ruined it for me you know but uh but it's nice to have a dad that's very musical and loved going to all my ballet shows as a kid and all these things but I had nobody in my life other than my sister that was dance that was arts that was acting that was theater me and my sister grew up kind of figuring out on my own none of my cousins were into it my cousins were into sports So my mom didn't know the universe. My mom didn't know the world. So we really had to kind of hone into it on our own and and figure out this craft and figure out how to navigate it on our own. And my sister ended up not really doing it professionally. She she owns her own studio in Los Angeles, but she didn't really want to perform. She kind of loves teaching. She loves the craft of teaching. So then I left me by myself to go, okay, how do I make this work like how do I make being a performer pay the bills or or, you know being a choreographer pay the bills so that was kind of what I was left to on my own (laughs) well it's great that your uh, sister's still in the uh in the art form in some fashion yes like yeah we need we need teachers with good solid pedagogy and to be able to uh pass on the art form and that is something very valuable in and of itself Oh, yeah. And and what's great is, you know, I've always wanted my sister to perform with me, you know, and to go off and do things with me. She's very good. She's trained. um, This will say this will tell her age. But when she was younger, she trained with Gregory Hines. You know, like she's a major tap dancer and her choreography has for tap for her kids has won multiple awards. And she's a fabulous tap dancer. And I think that comes with my dad being a musician, you know, like we very, we, we have really good rhythm in our hearts, you know, and in our blood and my sister with her tap. I mean, it's to die for, you know, I could be arguing with my sister any day, but man, when I see her tap, I'm like, I love you. 
Well, I'd like to see that sometime. I, I oh, absolutely. No, yeah, she's she's fabulous. I, I'll send you videos of her stuff. Like, it's just, uh, it's amazing. And and she is, like, one of the last people that, you know, got to train with Gregory Hines. Like, only a few people got to have those moments. And I took a few classes with him when I was a kid. And I remember, like, I think I was, like, seven years old. And uh, um, it was, like, an amazing, beautiful experience. But my sister really got to, like, have those moments with him. And uh, yeah, just those are stories I'm sure she'd love to tell. <laughs> He's a remarkable performer. You know, I, I'm showing my age a bit. I remember when he was a kid. Oh, wow. Uh, he was with his father and his brother. They had a group called Heinz, Heinz and Dad. So that's when I first discovered Gregory Heinz was uh, with this group. Got a chance. To oh, see my gosh. And the. Uh, in the Bay Area, one of the theaters. Many theaters that are now closed. For the, yeah. But it, it, it's, it's just interesting to see the trajectory of somebody's uh, career. And uh, yeah, he was gone much too soon. He should still be around tapping and teaching, but it's a shame. Well, yeah, he was a great teacher. I do remember that. He was very nice, very welcoming. You know, it, 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 it was a beautiful experience. To, ha- to say that I had that experience, you know, is is really great. Yeah, um, because he is one of the last great tappers out there besides Savion Glover. So, how yeah. old were you doing uh, studying with him? I, I was like seven. I was like seven or eight. But mm-hmm. my sister had a couple years with them and was a, older. Like she was like twelve, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old when she was doing all that training. So she has more of an idea of, you know, we know when you're at that age, that 13 year old age, you're just absorbing everything. And I think that's why she fell in love with TAP so much. And she was able to take that training and put it towards her future career because she had him at such a good time in her life, you know? Well, finding the right teacher in anything, whether it's sports or whether it's uh, the arts or whether it's just school itself, finding the right teacher at that time can can make or break you oh absolutely and think i'm thinking my mom shout out to my mom like you know for not being in the the industry my mom she would find us these amazing master classes with you know amazing i ended up assisting brian friedman when i was 14 i got this scholarship i for like a dance convention and he asked me to assist him for like a whole year And, you know, my mom, though, like she was the one that found the convention. She was the one that got me, you know, you know, put me there. And if it wasn't for my mom doing half the work, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today. Because not knowing the the industry, you need people to help you, you know, especially as a kid, you need that that parent or that friend that's going to be like, hey, let's do this research. And let's seek out these artists and train with them. And I ended up, she ended up taking me all the way to Mountain View. We were living in Fremont. She would drive like an hour every day to let me train with this amazing coach. I ended up being my mentor for many years, Sonia Taya. And I'm sure the big, the dance world's going, oh my goodness, because she was, uh, became a major judge on So You Think You Can Dance. And uh, I trained with her and danced with her for many years. And yeah, it's just like the universe, you know, it just, there was a lot in the Bay area. A lot of us have come from the Bay area and that are, that's in the dance world now. And, uh, 
a lot of people don't realize that the Bay Area did have a lot back then. And hopefully it will have a lot now. Hopefully it will come back. <laughs> yeah, the Bay Area has always been a, an amazing place for the arts as far as, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For us. You know, the city of San Francisco only has 700,000 people. It's a small town, basically, even though yeah. it's But the impact that it's had since 1849, it's been amazing the number of people who've come out of here. And that is off the subject of the uh, of the podcast, but boy, maybe over a drink, I could talk about some of the folks from music, from arts, and that sort of thing. We can just have a chat about that. It's, it's amazing. And I'm always surprised when I get a new reference. Yeah. And it it is crazy to think that, like you're saying, that so much has come from such a small pool. And we've all kind of dispersed, but in a weird way, have always come back to San Francisco at times. Absolutely. And that's what's so beautiful about San Francisco, the Bay Area, the whole Bay Area, is we all are kind of sucked into coming back, whether we stay or not. We come back just to be like, hey, I'm back. This is where I'm from. And I, I want to dabble here for a bit before leaving again. <laughs> but tell me a little bit about your training. I mean, I remember you with uh, the conservatory of dance and I remember you with lines when you were a kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How, how, did, how did your trajectory of training progress from there? Where, where'd you go? What'd you do? Oh, yeah. So from there, kind of what we were talking about, I ended up moving and training down in Mountain View with Sonia Taya, Chris Jacobson, um, shout out Robin Baltzer, who's um, designed her own style of like hustle type dance. And she's in Oakland. Shout out to Robin. And they kind of became my contemporary modern teachers. So I got like my classical ballet and my contemporary ballet from Lines and Conservatory of Dance. And then I went out to Mountain View and started getting jazz, modern tap all my other little things as more as I got older and dove more into mastering those things as I got older and then that's what flew me into I who would have thought I would have been good at hip-hop dance so Brian Freeman is a hip-hop jazz dancer so I ended up then assisting him at the same time as I was training at all with all these other people. So I was constantly training. I was constantly working with multiple teachers at one time. And I really suggest that for a lot of artists, whether you're, you know, just a, a painter, a singer, a dancer, actor, I really suggest taking from multiple people at the same time, because it, that really kept me, uh, you know, just kind of into it. You know, I constantly was moving from one teacher to the next and it wasn't bad. It was great because I was molding what I was hearing from one person and taking it to the other class and taking what they're doing and, and, it, and it worked. And then when I went to Alvin Ailey, all that training that I got from being in the Bay Area at that point what was that Alvin Ailey? So we got your Horton dance, your Cunningham technique, your classical ballet, your contemporary ballet, the jazz, the hip hop, the, the Caribbean, like all those styles then that I was kind of learning in the Bay Area. I got to New York and it's like, oh my gosh, now it's it's all in one school. And that was so cool with Alvin Ailey is they started having a program that was everything. So I got a scholarship into that program and was then diving into that. But at that point in my life, I was really into classical ballet. So I was doing a lot of cla- like point classes and things like that out, out there and training. 
And I was then at that point in my life, because I went to New York, I started seeing all the theater and and just the acting and the musicals. And, and I had obviously been inspired by multiple musicals when I was a kid and just was like, nah, I'm just going to be a classical dancer. Like, this is my life. I thought I was going to tour with the classical company my whole life and that's it. And then I got to New York and I was like, wait a minute. I can't be like a horse with the blinders on being an artist, a true artist. I have to mold myself and try to, to know what all of this is about. Like a dancer in my mind, anybody could think differently, but in my mind, I feel like a true dancer would be able to be hear any style or, or would be asked any style and be like, okay, let's try it. Let's do it. Let's dance it and feel it and be inspired by it. So then I started going and training. I got into the Steps Ensemble uh, over there at Steps on Broadway. And I uh, was started training in musical theater and then obviously more contemporary, more jazz, but then this dove into musical theater. And I was doing that. I got into the Steps Ensemble and I got, at that point, I got a scholarship to purchase conservatory. So at this point I was like 17 turning 18, I, I finished the Ailey program and I got into the uh, Purchase Conservatory of Dance out in White Plains, New York. And that, of course, I got a scholarship for that. And I was blessed. Thank you for that scholarship because the teachers there were amazing. So not only did I get into the Steps Ensemble, I was out on a scholarship at the Purchase Conservatory so I, again, I was doing, taking from multiple teachers always, all the time and, you know, <laughs> running back and forth, doing all these programs and at Purchase Conservatory, I ended up being in like more of like the classical side of the training. So I was taking, you know, like five to six hours of ballet a day. And then I would do my horn and my Cunningham and my Graham. And I started going more into Martha Graham technique and doing all these things. And then at the Steps Ensemble, I was getting more of the fun Broadway, but yet and classic musical theater. And, and so I was kind of molding who I was at this time. So at 18, I was like, okay, like, let's discover who this is. Like, who's Lara? And I started taking a lot of acting classes at this time, going to Stellar Adler and like Stella Adler and taking all these classes. And at this point, I was... I was really pulling the Meisner technique that I was learning from acting into my dancing. So now I was fully experienced into, okay, being a full performer now versus just a dancer and all all techniques. Like now, how do I perform? So for myself, I started discovering you can't just dance on a stage. And that now at this point in my life, I was about 20 and I would go and see a show and even a ballet show. Don't get me wrong, San Francisco Ballet, ABT, they're beautiful. But what sometimes for me is missing, the technique can be beautiful, but is the emotion there? Is the story there behind the dance? So then I started realizing that I myself needed to do that, whether they could do it, but I wanted to bring a story into my dancing. You can dance your whole life, but if you have a plain face on, there's nothing going into the audience. So I was trying to, at this point, take instill in my what? own. That's exactly what I've been trying to instill in my own dancers over the years. And some, yeah. some come along and others are frightened off by that. Maybe not wanting to reveal. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like people uh, choose dance. Humans choose dance because they are afraid to speak or they are afraid to, uh, you know, say anything out loud. And that's one of the reasons why I chose dance. I was like, I don't want to say lines. I don't want to do a monologue. I I just want to dance my feelings. And I think that kind of molded into me, like the older I got, the more I was like, wait a minute. I, I started becoming, feeling more in my dancing, being free, taking that miser technique, that acting technique into my dancing so much to where I wanted to start speaking. And then that's where, you know, I flew out one day, I was about 20 and I flew out and I saw a show at ODC in San Francisco. I was home for the holidays and it was a multimedia show where the dancers were speaking poetry at the same time as they were dancing. Like there was one dancer that would be speak, speak a poem. And there was a dancer that was dancing that poem. And there was all this multimedia going on during the show. And I go, wait a minute, this is, this is my jam. I love that. You know, and I started kind of going, okay, I want to be a part of more of this. And so then I was in a uh, dance company, Lane Gifford, out in uh, New York City. Her name's Lane Gifford, beautiful choreographer. She's done a lot in New York and I danced with her for quite some time and she had that. She was doing that multimedia stuff. And from there, I was like, you know what? I think I want to dive into theater, musical theater. And I want to start bringing my movement into song and dance and, and monologue and just kind of bring it my voice that I had so much in the dancing, all this feeling that I was trying to get out into finally speaking it out. So then I started working um, with a theater program, a theater, yeah, like a theater program out in New York. And it was a small theater on uh, like near like 4th Street. <laughs> it was like down at 4th Street near St. Mark's area. And I did some theater shows with them and it was so fun. And they had some dancing involved. So they had me choreograph some of the dancing. It was great. And then I ended up working with this beautiful human being, Christine Henry, that does theater on Broadway and does workshopping of new shows. And that's where I met Anthony Rapp. And he's a big person now. He was on in Rent, the original Rent. And I got to work with him on this show. And I was a dancer and an actor on this show called Nobody Suspects a Butterfly. And it was a beautiful story, true story about a football team up in Maine, I believe. And I won't go too much into it because it, it speaks about certain people dying and things like that. But it's uh, it's nobody suspects, suspects a butterfly. And Anthony Rapp, working with him on that set, inspired me so much to continue my path into moving, taking my movement more into acting as well and into theater. So yeah, it's it's been it's been quite impressive. So then from there, I, I just decided, Hey, for fun, let me audition for Sesame street random out of the blue. And I went to the audition. I, I never taken puppeteering in my life, but I went, I puppeteered and I sang and I danced and, um, I didn't hear from them for quite some time. And during, in between the six months from auditioning for them and hearing from them, six months, let me tell you, I didn't think I was going to hear from them. I got a job with Oxygen Network singing and dancing with Darren Chris, believe it or not, which was major on Glee at that time. Like Glee just promoted, but it was a Glee press event. 
And I got hired to be like a backup dancer singer for those press events for Auction Network. And then I got a call from Sesame Street and they're like, hey, you want to be Elmo on this tour? And I was like, Elmo, what? <laughs> and uh, I got training. I, they flew me out to Minneapolis and I got training and puppeteering and, and, and singing and, and in that Elmo voice and things like that. And, uh, and it was a beautiful experience. And I went on tour with them and did over 900 shows with them. And uh, yeah. And then from there, I just got the itch. I was like, I love musical theater. I love this, like, you know, especially kids shows. Oh my gosh. Like the audience in a kid's show, we were playing arenas for like 20,000, 30,000 people. And the kids just go wild. I mean, who would have thought? <laughs> what is that? I was like, Sesame Street. I feel like a celebrity. <laughs> well, the one thing you don't have to worry about the kids throwing beer bottles at you. No, that one was great. Yeah, it was great. Like literally. And like, obviously every one of them had their parents with them. You know, so it's like, it, no one's going to go buck wild. You know, it was so beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. Everyone on that tour, I absolutely love. Um, and then actually they were owned by V Corporation and now they got bought out by a different company. Um, recently the past few years. So the whole tour has changed. I don't know what's going on with the tour. I was recently in talks with them through email. And I think now it's like, they used to be union. Like when I was on it, it was union, but now they're non-union. And that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Everyone out there that's in theater, that's dealing with the union, non-union problems. I get you. Um, but yeah, so from there, I was like, that was fun. And so I was like, okay, I did that. I did theater. I, you know, cause I was like hitting my marks. Like I did a ballet, you know, I was in a, a ballet company and then I was in a contemporary ballet company. And then I was like, okay, now I'm on tour. And then I sang and danced and I was like this. So then I flew out to LA and randomly auditioned for this horror film. And I was like, I'm going to give it a shot, you know? And that's, again, to anyone out there listening, if you get to a point in your life and you're like, no, 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 like literally, literally everything that I've gotten was like, I'm going to give it a shot. And if, even if it was something where I was like, nah, like that's not for me. I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. And it just so happened to work out. And I, I've met the most beautiful people from that, even programs I'll get back to going back to LA, but short fast forward during COVID, I never thought I would go back to taking like master classes uh, in the sense of for, for acting. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, no, I need it because I was sitting at home doing nothing. And so I signed up for these, like uh, just kind of one-on-one -on -one, almost. There was only like six actors in a master class from the actor studio in, in New York. And I have met some of the most beautiful people through that. And some of the casting directors and I have become close friends and they have gotten me some gigs. And I got a State Farm commercial because I met friends on, you know, on this um, masterclass. And you so you just never know, like if you just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to do this for fun. Sometimes the best things come out of it. So going back to L.A., I, I auditioned for this horror film for fun. And I have been working with those same people for like six years now. They just, you know, we love working with each other. We've done multiple projects. I've had a film on, on Hulu, on Amazon, 
on Shutter TV, on Sci-Fi Network, and all these things, multiple films. I have another feature film coming out this year. Super excited about it. And then some of those films won me multiple uh, actor awards, actress awards. So it's been, it's been really cool. Like, and then now I'm back into choreography currently right now. So it's been, it's been a nice process. <laughs> well, looking at, looking at your IMDb, you you have maybe 35, 40 credits. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which is uh, amazing because there are a lot of people there with one or two. So yeah. It's been, it's been quite a ride for you, I think. It has been. And, you know, I never really thought like, so, yeah, I've been in magazines and um, and I recently, Delirium Magazine came out uh, with an article spread about me and naming me, you know, an upcoming Scream Queen and things like this. And I was just like, oh, wow, like this is a thing. Like this is happening. And the independent horror film scene, you know, I love, thrillers and I love horror films and so when I got into one I was like oh this is fun blood I get to pour fake blood all over me and go crazy and who would have thought that the independent horror scene is so the they're so family oriented like everyone loves they support it you know they support that scene they support those films and um, I got to produce a few of those films and I'm currently writing um, my own film now and um, it's, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. It's been very exciting, very exciting stuff. And I recently, I, I took a break during COVID, but shot a feature during COVID, which is great. And now slowly I'm kind of like diving back into it. I'm like, okay, let's start re-auditioning again. And I, cause I took a break for choreography and for teaching all uh, during COVID. I decided I'm going to be a teacher of the arts during COVID and started doing, you know, teaching some of my choreography and taking my students to dance competitions and things like that. And I recently left a couple of my students to, for this choreography show that I had to put together. And it is sad because you get connected with, with students. You do. And I never thought I'd be connected with, with my students, but man, I, I mean, let's saying goodbye to them to have to move on now that COVID is gone has been hard because I, I do miss teaching little ones. It's been, it has been a blessing for me. And I'm glad I had that opportunity that during COVID and, and grew with them and, and, and got to be with them during their worst time in their lives as well. Well, so. you know, one of these days you will be in your sixties and we'll run into them just like I ran into you. Oh yeah. And I hope so. And I, and I always tell them, I, I always tell them like, I hope you keep dancing, whether it's just, for fun or if it's your job, I hope you keep it in your life because wh whether, it, or if it's not dancing, whether it's you go, you go to acting or you're, you're a musician, whatever. I want to see, I love seeing when people keep some sort of art form in their life. Like my mom, she, she worked on one of the first computers ever made. She knows everything she can know about computers, but man, when you get her on a piano, you could just see the light come out of her. And, and that's with everyone in the world, you know, that's why they love going to shows. You know, some of the people that aren't at, at, you know, aren't musically inclined at all go to a show and you just see that heart come out of their soul. And it's, it's beautiful. And we, that's why we need the arts and uh, it just keeps everybody at bay. <laughs>
Well, it seems that your career has been not a Machiavellian plan, but simply of being open to what comes your way and continuing to make yourself as good as you can be so that when an opportunity comes, you're actually ready to take advantage of it. Yes, exactly. That's kind of been my path. And, you know, because it, ha- it has been difficult. You know, I am, for people that don't know me that are listening to this, I am 4'11", <laughs> five feet, I like to say on my resume, um, or 5'2", but I am 4'11", and I, I recently just got hired uh, at Disneyland because I was 4'11", but but uh, I can't say for who, what character, but you could probably throw it out there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm tiny. So my career, you know, has had to mold also because of that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I would have loved to continue my classical ballet career, but the height and... And the struggle of, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a well-rounded female has taken me to take my body and make the best out of that as well. So now I, I, I just kind of try to be the master of what I want to be a master at and continue training, continue working. And exactly that, just, just dive in to what the universe is bringing me and be ready for it. Well, that's something a lot of dancers are have problems with it. I know, know so many uh, young students who have an idea that they want to be a princess and that's it. And yep. concentrate on classical ballet, which is great. I love classical ballet. I think it's, uh, again, not a, not a subject for the podcast, but I could go for hours about the issues and the interests of classical ballet and why it is such a valid art form. Yeah. Same. <laughs> if, you just, if you do just that, if you're not open to other forms of dance, other types of movement, it makes it difficult for you to be a well-rounded dancer. And it doesn't mean that you end up being a commercial dancer or not, but it means that you're just able to understand and use your body in many, many different ways. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You never know where it takes you. I mean, I could go on and on. I ended up, you know, working for Paris Hilton, helping her with her choreography at one point. I worked with Paula Abdul at another point. You know, you never know. And I really suggest for anyone listening, I I still get hired for, for contemporary ballet work. It's, it, it's not the end of the world. You'll always have that. But you always want to make sure if you're well-rounded, your career will never stop. You'll always have something to go forward, forward with. And if you only stick with one thing, then again, it's like the race horse with the blinders on. You will only be able to stay in that lane. And sometimes you need to be able to switch lanes to get ahead. <laughs> well, do you find a connection between your work in the movies and your training as a dancer? Now, aside from the people you've met and have brought you into the movies, but is there something that you bring from your dance art form into your acting? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and any... Well, well-trained actor will tell you like they're forced to probably take movement for actors. I mean, you have to use, there's something called, um, you know, like we all have bad habits, right? We all, and um, one thing that you learn as an actor is you never, you know, you yourself as a human, you, Jamie, me, Laura, when we talk, when we communicate, so we probably do certain hand gestures, certain ways of moving our head, certain ways of sitting, moving our body, walking even that we do as like what I do as Laura, what you do as Jamie. 
But then when you get into a character that you have to mold and change that to where it's that character, it could be as simple as you don't have to change everything about you, but a simple thing is maybe I'm not going to cross my legs when I sit. Maybe when I sit, it's more elegant or maybe it's more sloppy. And so when you have a dance background, you're able to get out of those bad habits a little bit easier than the normal actor. And you're able to actually, when it comes to blocking on a set. So when a director says, okay, I want you to stand by this tree. And then I want you by the end of your monologue and by that table with the thing on the corner and you not stand in the middle of it, but behind it, maybe an inch, maybe a centimeter as a dancer, you're going as a theater performer, a dancer, theater performer, you're going, okay, no problem. You know exactly where your mark is. You have your peripheral vision. You know where you can stand. But sometimes an actor doesn't have that ability, didn't have that training. And, it, it, you know, so it takes a little bit longer. They won't hit their mark right away. I've, I've had times where I've had many directors go, wow, that was easy. We got that in one shot. Thank you, Laura. And I'm like, no problem, <laughs> you know, like, because it just, it just, we memorize things a lot faster. Dancers are very quick at getting, picking things up, listening to the, to the director. And in our mind, that's a choreographer, right? The director. And you just, you go with it. They, you do what they tell you. And a lot of actors don't have that. They don't have that background. That's, those so, are yeah. that hire someone like you in order to prepare. Yeah. And, and I do find that it's easier for me also to memorize lines or to be in the moment because I see it more as a performance and a dance versus just like structured, like, oh, this is what I have to do. I use my body to memorize where I'm going and to then from there, the words just happen. So the whole performance uh, helps you behind in front of the camera. It really does. And I guess vice versa, where you you have your Meisner training, you have a, you know, actor studio, and I don't know what other training you have, but this is all good stuff as far as finding your true self as an yeah. actor. How have you brought that into your, your dance world? Oh, <laughs> I, I'm thinking, I now, particularly your, your contemporary ballet. I mean, music yeah, is obvious because musical theater is acting, but if you're doing a contemporary ballet, piece how, how did you help you with that yeah it it, hel- it definitely helps i mean so you know a director a choreographer can give you their reasoning behind a piece right whether or they tell you to interpret and what's really cool about acting um and when you take acting classes is if it, if a director says i want you to interpret this character you know, here's the synopsis, right? Like it's a, uh, a punk rock, a punk rock person that likes, you know, that likes to go out and smoke a cigarette and that they don't give you any backstory. And this is what happens in, in some training classes. Right. And, and then you are left to fill in the blanks. Well, like, like with the choreographers is like, you know, I want you to find your stories. So you, for me, I take my acting in the choreography by when I'm learning a dance, I then find my backstory. I sit at home and say, I write down, literally write down where this person, what did they do before this dance? What got them to this place? What happened in their lives? Where, where did they come from? Who are they? Why are they here? 
What are they feeling in this moment? These are all things you have to figure out and you write down. And then from there, I'll take that. I'll take that story and I'll put it on, you know, when I'm dancing, I will come out whether you don't have to speak. You just have to. And this is where you get dynamic changes, right? In dance. This is where you get this, like, you know, the legato and staccato, like you, your story, what you're feeling molds your movement. So, you know, at certain points in the dance and the music, am I angry at this point? Am I angry? Angry means to me, what does angry mean? That's staccato. That's hard. That's fast. That's strong, you know? And then, you know, am I sad? Am I in love? Am I happy? You know, then it, happy would be floaty and light and elegant and, and, and have a, you know, in my eyes, like just the, the feeling of my eye, what I, what happens in my eyes would be different. And, and if you know your story, if you know your dance and you, and you write it out and you bring that to life, your dynamics in your dance completely change. And I really suggest that a lot of dancers do this because it makes the dance become a mountain of things versus just solid ground. And like the last show I did in Ohio, I got asked to choreograph it. But then the, the director was like, Laura, I really want you to dance tonight. Like, I, and she like, and I love getting these compliments. They're beautiful. She's like, you're the only one that I know that could do a really good job performing this character. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure you can't get anyone else? She's like, no. And I, and I see why, like, so I performed my choreography, which was fabulous. And I, and I didn't put myself in the whole show because I'd hate doing that. And, but and when I wasn't in the show, I'd go out in the audience and I'd entertain and things like that. But one compliment I would get from my audience members all the time, because we would do meet and greets after was, we really enjoy watching you. You, we can really feel what you're feeling. And it's something that, you know, you can, you can explain it to every actor, every dancer, you can explain it to them as much as you can over time. And I try, when I choreograph, I definitely have these moments with my, with my dancers and I tell them to do this and have a story. But at the end of the day, you have to do the work. You have to go home. You have to find your story and you have to bring that out into your dance. Well, I, I find, uh, find working with my dancers that they really resist that, that they, that they're, I just want to know this. Tell me a step. Tell me where my arm is. And, and you know, you have such wonderful social skills, so I'm sure you can put it across. But how, how would you suggest that someone find a way to convey that to their, the people who are working with them? As- I think this is where I think choreographers should definitely, at that point, transition from choreographer to director, right? To, to almost like a... Uh, a, not a psychiatrist, but something like that, where you're like trying to explain and convey feeling, right? So let's say you want your actor to lift their dance, your dancer to lift their arm in a way where it's not just being lifted, but lifting to where in your mind, you, you're, you know, it's almost like the painter is like, I got this whole big idea, but how do I explain it? It's almost like you want to take you step by step. So I would always suggest to have the dancer start from a solid ground with nothing, just, you know, feet on the floor and just talk them through it. You know, ask them, how are you feeling today? How do you feel 
when you're, you know, and then you go into start to go into how you want them to feel in your choreography, right? So at this point in the dance, let's say if they're lifting your arm and it's a moment of they need to express themselves in a way that they're finally becoming into their own self and they're presenting themselves to the audience, then you say, I want, how do you feel if you were in an, a point, a, a human that was in front, uh, almost like a political human being that was in front of an audience giving a speech and then make them, you know, is your chest lifted? Is your chin up? Do you have a firm, you know, are you firm in your face? Are you soft in your face? How are you feeling? Do you feel strong? And then you, you see what they give you. And then if that's not what you want, then you don't say like, you know, because obviously a politician is a different feeling than if you were to say, if you were a professor in front of a class, or if you were a mother in front of her kids. You get different feelings from that. So it is our job as choreographers to become the director and know more ways than none to explain to the dancer. It's almost harder for us because we have to have a million other ways to explain it and, and not get frustrated or mad, but just continue to give them ideas until that come until it finally comes out and you go great keep that idea like if the mother and take giving a speech from her kids or like tucking them into bed at night is the feeling that you got the feeling out from that moment then tell them to keep that you know what i mean like write that down it's like okay that's where i got you to feel and to move the way i needed you to move i need you to write that down and keep it and don't forget it interesting it's just yeah. like well, next time I'm in the studio, I certainly get that. <laughs> yeah, and then and and then obviously, you know, like you said, and then it goes to a point of they're scared, right? What we were talking about earlier is what you just said is almost like they are not. They need to be vulnerable. Yes. Right, and being an actor is being vulnerable, and being an you know, and this goes into Stanislavski technique of being completely open with your emotions and if you're you in order to be an artist a full artist you have to be open you and this is where i struggle with a lot of dancers is they close off but i'm like then why are you an artist then why are you here you're here to express to the audience what you're feeling but you're dancing it but you still need to express it whether or not you you know you're you're saying words you're still expressing emotion there's been times when i'm dancing and i start to cry because i am in such a moment of complete despair in my movement that it's coming out in my complete emotion because i'm fully invested right but I, i've seen those uh, moments with dancers it's very very rare but i've seen the moments where they, they seem to be in the character yes they seem to be living in you know Yes. It's a tough thing for me to put into words, but it's exactly what I'm looking for. It's what I look for in any art that I consume, whether it is uh, music. I'm thinking mostly of, you know, classical music. You know, classical music can be just so mechanical. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has every note correct, and you feel absolutely nothing from it. But but you can. You can. I mean, I love classical because I, you know, I have found ways to, I think with anything as long, like going back to building your story, 
Mm-hmm. As long as you yourself can build your story, it doesn't matter how staccato or, you know, if you're doing petite allegro, you can still make it emotional. And I think this is where ballet, like classical ballet sometimes needs to learn to let go and be vulnerable because there is vulnerability. Like when you look at the old, um, oh gosh, like what is it? Margot Fontaine? Like one of the, one of the first like ballerinas, you know what I mean? When you watch their videos, they're not perfect. Oh, her technique. Well, I'm, I'm very sorry, Margot. Uh, but, <laughs> but the emotion, her but the emotion. She could not get a job today as a ballet dancer. But the emotion, and that's why you yeah. love watching it, right? It's yeah. like that's what comes it, off the screen is just how much she is feeling the character and how she. Can yes, exactly. Her character in her fifties. Exactly. Like her arms weren't perfect, her legs were, you know what I mean? But the feeling, that's what made it, that's what makes the videos inspiring is the feeling. And like, you know, and it's so funny because every classical ballet, you know, uh, teacher I've had has told me to watch certain videos, like, oh, watch this video, watch this person. And they're not perfect. It's the feeling, but yet they still hire dancers that have, that are perfect over feeling. And this is where it, the, it's it needs to cross a little bit. This is where we need to let go of perfection and high legs and skinny bodies and bring the feeling back. And I you think, think the if you studios uh, is driving this, what you think the competition studio is driving this? Because so many dancers are getting that kind of training rather than training. Agreed, hundred percent. I see it, hundred percent. They want. Yeah. And it's hard and it's hard being getting harder and harder to teach that, to teach feeling. So that's why I always suggest taking an acting class. And I actually would suggest your dancers like they to take. And this is where if you want me to come in, I can come in and do more just acting exercises with them. But they have to be willing. Right. Otherwise, I would suggest force them to go take an acting class. <laughs> And honestly, uh, to any dancer listening to this, go, go take an acting class. It will help you. 100%. You will learn to be vulnerable. And it's not being vulnerable in a way where you feel uncomfortable. And let me tell you that right now. You don't have to be vulnerable in the sense of you don't have to tell me your life story. You don't have to tell me that, you know, your your mom and dad divorced when you were two. And da, da, da. no, no, we want you to just be vulnerable in the sense of the character. And when you take acting class, you'll learn to understand how to do that to where you're not vulnerable, but you're vulnerable in the moment. You're vulnerable for that performance. And it probably doesn't make sense now, but if you take an acting class, it will make sense. (laughs) I, I, I certainly have considered that just trying to find a way to get them into an acting class or to bring in an acting coach to take over for, uh, three or four rehearsals. To, yeah. uh, to just get that idea seated within. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what they need. I think they just need more of it, right? Almost like a weekly thing for a while, just to kind of understand where, where to put their bodies, you know, where to put their mind. Because if you're afraid to be vulnerable, they, I think it's because they, uh, they're not understanding that it's not really them. They have to learn how to pull from other feelings. That's not, it, it's hard to explain. You have to, uh, in, Oh, I, I, I or it's not hard to explain. It's easy to explain, but I could go on forever. This is like will be a two-hour conversation. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is my great white whale. That's what I've been trying to do for twenty years on yeah on stage. And 
like I said, maybe uh, a quarter of my dancers. I have maybe one or two per season. Yeah. That want to go there and go there on their own. And the rest are, are really worried that they will get the step wrong on the day. And you you can play the wrong step or play the wrong note, right? You can do the wrong step yeah. or play the wrong note, but that note would be the note that was needed to be played at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing. And that's what was beautiful though about, yeah, about bringing that emotion, that being open to the dance is that it changed the move, the structure, the skeleton of the movement will never change. But as an artist, you know, maybe my leg, like, let's say I'm doing a developé and a moment in the dance, it's supposed to be soft, it's supposed to be soothing, beautiful moment or sad, whichever. But what if my story, the, my feeling in that moment, that day, that performance changes from yesterday's feeling? That's what we want. Or at least for me, that's what I want. So if okay. your leg is lower today than it was in yesterday's show because the feeling was different, to me, that's what I want. As a choreographer, that's why I want. I, I, I enjoy being surprised when yeah. I'm sitting in the audience. That, you know, you can't do anything once you choreograph something, and the folks are on stage. It's out of your hands. Yes. And uh, I, it's how you I, do I, it. I it's how the dancer does it. Yeah. Give me names. There's one particular dancer who would do my choreography, but she would do it differently every single night. She just uh, a, yeah. a different attack, a different feeling to it. And it, it would just depend on what's going on with her that day. And it would be. A yes, exactly. And that that's exactly. So she's doing she's doing the right thing. Absolutely. Whoever that dancer is, is doing the right thing. She is bringing her her story to life is something new every day for her. And she's bring, bringing the movement is fresh. And that's how you make it fresh every day. You don't just come in and write the same sentence every day. Who does that? What scientist comes in and writes the same math problem every day? They come in and go, well, that math problem didn't work or it did, but let's, let's change it up today and see what else we get. And it, you don't want to become the mouse in the maze that goes the same path and never gets the opening. You always want to find different paths for yourself as a dancer and as a performer. And that dancer is doing it right. Is going in saying, here's the movement. But what if instead of me doing this grand plie into this thing, I'm going to just do a light little, you know, a light little thing and then, and then go into my next step, you know, and some, and again, people that are seeing your movement, Jamie, that see it all the time, like let's say regulars that come to the show, they're even more in tune because they're seeing the changes and they're going, Oh, this is different today. This is nice. And, and that makes it more fun. That makes it fun for everybody, you, the dancer and the audience. Yep. Yep. That, that's exactly what I've been looking for. You know, it's just, uh, we're just, you know, you just keep at it. Hopefully we can find a way to get dancers trained. Yes. In a more comprehensive way. I, I see it closing off. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think, and I, th yes, I agree a hundred percent with you. It's definitely been, it's been that. And I think dancers need to realize that actors are forced in their training to take dancers for actors. It's called, it's a class that's called dancing for actors mm -hmm. and they're forced or movement for actors, depending on the school you go to, right? You have to 
apply for that. And you have to, and you have to apply that to your body. And every actor is forced to take movement. So why not? Why isn't every dancer forced to take an acting class? You know, because <laughs> they should, they should do it. <laughs> well, not that you're not busy enough. Maybe this is something that you could bring to conservatories. I know. I would love that. I literally was literally talking about that a week ago with a friend of mine. I was like, oh, Dan, like act, just a class is called acting for dancers, you know, and I think we don't have enough of that and or any of that at all. But yeah, maybe it's something I, I bring into the Bay Area. Be a first of many, hopefully. Well, <laughs> and any one of you would take it out there. Let me and Jamie know and we'll put a class together. <laughs> Uh, my, my wheels are already spinning. You'll, you'll probably hear from me in the next couple of days by phone. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> but, you know, I, it's a, I'm just so intrigued by the, the breadth of your career, uh, by your openness. And I just want to thank you very much for taking some time with me. I know how really, really busy you are. And for you to take an hour of your day for me is, well, it's very, very special. Oh, Jamie, no problem. Anything for you. I mean, again, it, at this, we've gone back now so many years. I, I feel like at this point, I, I'm thankful for you and I'd do anything for you. Like anything you need, let me know for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and, and the same here. So, you know, you can always call on me. Oh, I love it. I love, See, everyone out there, you see what happens? It's just everyone, we're all here for each other. Anyone listening, like reach out. We're here for you as well. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I, we pr probably could do a three-hour podcast on your career. Oh, for sure. But oh, for I, sure. You know, Easily. I really appreciate you, thank you so much you've done today. And maybe it's given some insight to uh, some of the listeners out there. Uh, so I, I hope really so. Sharing, and I will certainly be in touch on other matters in the future. And good luck Absolutely. to you and all the things you're you're working on. I can't wait to see uh, what this new movie is going to be. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'll let you guys know more about it. But it is called Terra Bella, and it's on my IMDb if you want to know more about it. But, yeah, no, it's exciting. Um, we'll be premiering in L.A. soon. But, yeah, Jamie, keep it tight. Thank you for everything. Thank you so much, Largie. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening today. Mod Pod, the Museum of Dance podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other discerning streaming services. Remember to subscribe and rate us. Give us five stars because we are fabulous. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.